This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the voices, voices. determine nonprofits. Brought to you by Big, Big Duck. Duck. Welcome to the Smart Communications Podcast. I'm your host Sarah Durham and I'm joined today by Elian Ramos, who's the Senior Director of Communications and Public Affairs at the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Health. Hey there. Hi, how are you, Sarah? Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted you're here, and we are going to talk about YouTube Live, which is something I know very little about. Um, before we dig into that, for those of you who do not know Elian, I will link to her professional website and the National Latinas website in the show notes. But I want to flag that she's got about 20 years of experience before this job serving in roles that include PR, political campaigns. She worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign, strategy development, creative development, copywriting. She's a real comms pro who's had a lot of interesting roles and won a lot of impressive awards. And she's been in this role about a year. So, Elian, what I'm interested to hear about is when you got into this role, you decided to launch a YouTube Live platform. Why did you decide to do that? Well, one of the reasons is coming from the advocacy world and having had my own platform until I joined this organization, I know the importance of having a consistent voice, especially online. And for an organization that does as much work in the community as the National Latina Institute, I think it's very important to have those pieces of messaging and communications that really dig deeper into the daily work that they do and that explore different aspects of the work. And so we wanted to have something like that. We, you know, it's been discussed internally for a long time, and we decided to go with YouTube Live for many reasons. Great. Well, so I want to pick your brain more about YouTube Live, but in terms of the work itself, too, we should pause and take a minute to talk about the work that the National Latina Institute does. So just tell us a little bit briefly about the work of the organization. We divide our work into a couple of different buckets. So one of the main ones is leadership development. And we have four offices in different states. We're in Virginia, we're in Washington, D.C., we're in New York, we're in Texas, and we're in Florida. And what we do there is we train activists. We take people from the community, the people that need our expertise and the kind of things that we provide, and we actually help empower them. One way that we do it is by educating them, creating, you know, different materials so that they become a lot more aware about how the issues impact them. But at the same time, we build the leadership, meaning we teach them the basic things that they need so that they can defend themselves, so that they can stand up for their own rights. And so that's one of the buckets. The other one is we do a lot of research and we create things like fact sheets and other things that explore the issues a lot more in depth as it has to do with policies and the situation the community is going through. And then the third part is by developing communication pieces and educational pieces that we serve to the community at large. So are you using YouTube Live as an education tool, as a training tool? How, do, how does it, which, which area of the work does it serve? It helps us serve everything, really, because the main objective is 
really to serve the community. So it's providing information and resources, education, right? But at the same time, it serves us to highlight some of the activists that we are building on the ground. Sometimes we explore policies, so we will have people that deal with the legislation and and who are more involved in Capitol Hill. It takes all of those dots of the work that we do and packaging it in a way that is digestible to people so that they understand what we do better. And in the live format, it's interactive, but then you post the recordings to your YouTube channel, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love about YouTube Live is that the fact that unlike Facebook, where you have content that is native and you can only use it there, you know, and you can share it if you want, but it's a lot harder to manipulate, you know, for embedding and other things like that. The YouTube Live feeds right into our YouTube channel, and it also allows us to edit the video and make you know shorter clips that we can use on social media, and we can embed in other platforms that we use, you know, such as Medium, our website, and different parts. So I love the flexibility of working with the material that we produce. Again, it helps us have a consistent voice out there, so that's a great thing about it. And what are you seeing in terms of participation, of getting people to actually, you know, show up live and engage through the medium while you're recording? Our situation before we started doing this is we had a blog that was there for a couple of years and there wasn't any content being produced. And so... The approach that we're taking is, you know, let's start from scratch. Let's build this from zero. We are using a lot of the social media following that we have garnered through the years to kind of guide them into visiting our YouTube channel and kind of expecting the content. So we we are doing it consistently it's only once a month for now. But we have seen the audience growing little by little and I don't know if you're familiar with our community. We're not used to being very vocal, especially about reproductive issues. And so it's been very remunerating to see how people start participating more and more and sending questions in and asking the things that we want them to really become aware about. So you're really empowering Latinas to play an active role in this conversation through this channel. Exactly. And that's kind of the idea. We have seen, you know, a lot of conversations start from there. We have seen a lot of people recognizing some of the experts that we bring in every month. And it's actually really fun to do, just to have that conversation in an environment that is informal and that people can feel comfortable asking questions. One of the workshops that I give a couple times a year is about content planning and management. And in those workshops, there's usually a couple of people who are concerned about frequency. They're concerned about their ability to produce content regularly, whether it's blogging or videos or podcasts, and they're asking questions about how much is enough. So you've settled on this format of once a month, and I'm sure that now that you're a few months into it, that helps you establish a rhythm of how you promote these events before they happen and what you do with them. But how did you decide to do it once a month? Was there anything that informed that decision or is it sort of an experiment you're going to pilot? Well, because it's an experiment, but also because of capacity. We're a small team and there's so much going on in terms of what we have to produce in our department every month. While I 
try to do is to make it part of our content strategy, you know, and so every month we have a theme of things that we are going to be touching on. And so that naturally gives us a theme for the live stream. And then since we have our calendar, we know in advance, oh, we're going to be talking about this in the next couple of months. So we start gathering, you know, the who do we want to be part of this conversation? And we are very intentional about being inclusive and about having a lot of different voices represented there, but it helps to set it up as part of your content strategy because that gives you a whole lot of material to play with. And then I'm sure you're you're weaving in those content experts and that theme into everything you're doing. It becomes a, a much more fluid and organic experience. Exactly. And because of the flexibility to play around with the, the result of the live stream, it gives us material to put on every other platform that we can use throughout the month and even, you know, bring up at some point in the future when we decide to talk about something related. Awesome. So you mentioned you have a small team and I know you're not the person who technically runs this, you know, is doing the the actual technical live streaming. But tell us just a little bit about what you think it takes to do this well. How many people or what kind of resources, you know, what do you need to do to ramp up with YouTube Live? In our case, we have a dedicated person who works on this and she sets up the whole thing. It's really not that difficult if you're used to working in an online environment. The learning curve is really not that high. I would say also the platform is a lot more bare-bones than other platforms I have worked with. So that makes it a lot easier as a point of entry. One of the things that we did have to do in the beginning is kind of play around with the platform and learn how it works in terms of setting it up, making sure that the right images pop up when you're promoting it, for example. That was a a little bit of a headache in the beginning. But once you get it down, it takes, you know, a couple of days to probably get to the point where you're ready and you go from there and it becomes kind of automatic. Awesome. Elian Ramos, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is the Smart Communications Podcast, developing the voices of determined nonprofits, brought to you by Big Duck. Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at BigDuckNYC.com.